Thanks for joining the podcast tonight as we are one week into high school football and then game week in college football, and that's kind of where we'll camp out tonight. We'll have previews for you from Southern Miss, from Old Miss, and from Mississippi State, and then also we'll talk a little Picune football as they didn't get started last week. They'll actually start uh, this week. They kind of hid out and watched and see what's out there, and then they'll start uh, this week, and so we'll have an interview with Cody Steigner on that Picune staff to kind of give you an insight on uh, what he thinks their Maroon Tide's going to be like, and they face a good opponent in D'Iverville, as we had Coach Dolan on uh, just a week or so ago. So, Jeff, welcome in to you, man. It's always good to be talking football. Yep, uh, episode four of season four, talking uh, football. We're going to get, like you said, we're going to get into some uh, high school action, and, and uh Friends of the podcast, let's start, Clay, with Hancock. Hancock Halts hosted the Pearl River Central Blue Devils. Uh, head coach Jacob Owen, his second year at Pearl River Central, goes down and faces a 6A ball club in Hancock and loses that ball game 28-17. to Pearl River Central was leading late in the game, had some misfortune, uh, misfortunate with the ball handling and stuff like that, but Hancock – uh, pulls the win out 28-17. to 17. Yep, also a friend of the podcast, Neil Lawler, right. getting off uh, to a good start there, getting a home win in front of what I heard was a capacity crowd. I heard Hancock, of course, they create a nice home field atmosphere. Coach Lawler has really gotten that community to buy in in his third year there. And then the career fans, I heard, really traveled and showed well down in Hancock. And that sets up an 0-1 uh, Pro River Central Club that's going to be at home this that's week right. against the club that we follow each and every Friday night, Popperville. Popperville is going to come into that game 0-1 as they were upended 21-14 at home against a very good Laurel club. Uh, we had Coach Breland on the podcast the week of the game, as we did Coach Beach from Popperville. We knew it was going to be a good one, Jeff, and it, I, it's hard to call it a good one because it was sloppy. Now, it was very competitive and That's very right. hard fought. You can see that from the score, 21-14, to 14, but it was close all game long. And, and you mentioned in the career ball game, turnovers playing a part. It certainly did that in this ball game as well because there was a pretty good rainstorm before kickoff, a wet football, wet turf, and uh, Popperville just really didn't handle the football as we're accustomed to seeing it. I believe they had four turnovers the other night, uh, a muff kickoff, uh, that really kind of changed the outcome there at the end. Laurel, I believe, got it at the 11, was able to punch that one in. And so um, what I learned about Popperville is the defense is going to be what we thought it was going to be. They competed very good against a good 5A club, and none of the expectations that I had for Popperville have really diminished any, even in a loss. Yeah, and like you mentioned, it was a tough 5A club. And just, you know, we're going we're gonna to talk some picking, as you mentioned earlier, uh, with – Cody Stogner as they're getting ready for this week. But we're, Popperville faced a Laurel team who put out a Picayune team last year in the playoffs. So Laurel, a 5A club, tough uh, club. And Coach Jay Beach schedules his so-called preseason for high school. Very tough. And that was a Laurel team. That was very tough. Uh, 21-14, like you said, the muff, the kickoff kind of sealed the deal right there. Laurel getting it only about the 11 and, and then punched it in. But what I've taken away from the, that game was the defense. Three times in a row, the offense put the ball on the ground and the defense came up 
big. No points on the board for Laurel. Got the ball right back to the offensive's hands and was saying, hey, let's go down and score the football. So big job right there by the defense for the Popperville Hornets. And as you mentioned, it sets up, an, we don't say this much, Clay, but an 0-1 Popperville team and an 0-1 Pearl River Central team. Friend facing friend, ex-offensive coordinator facing ex Head coach right there, Jacob Owen and Jay Beach right there in Pearl River Central. Should be a great atmosphere. The The confines at Pearl River Central are tight. It, the, the action is close. So that should be a, a good ball club uh, or a good ball game this Friday night. Absolutely. And just to save both you and I some grief, not that anybody locally here would give us grief, but Picune actually did get Laurel last year because that would be oh. the first. <laughs> you know, we'd hear about that. Uh, but in previous years, Laurel was able to up in Picune. So Coach Breland certainly has built that type of program there for Laurel. And that's not – when we saw the That's way right. that Coach Beach scheduled this thing, we knew, and he even said it in our, I think, our preview, look, if we can come out before district play with a winning record, That's I'll right. be good with that. Now, he certainly is not good with a loss. Right. And we, we know that from being around uh, Coach Beach enough. And we saw glimpses of what that wing tee is going to be as Chase Shears went over the century mark. I believe he ended up with like 120, 130 yards uh, the other night on 10 or 11 carries. He got loose for an 82-yard touchdown run, a senior talented tailback. But you said it, two 0-1s, neither going to want to go 0-2, and, and it's going to be a good old fist fight Friday night in career. If you want to listen to the broadcast, Jeff, where can they find that action? Yeah, they can go to their uh, smartphone, Android, or Apple device. Go to the uh, Google Play Store if you have a, an Android. Go to the apps, Apple Store if you have an Apple phone, and you can download the MixLR app, free app, M-I-X-L-R. It's a MixLR app. Go up to the search button, search Talking Ball, y'all, all lowercase, all one word, and it'll take you straight to the page. When, right when you click on it and it takes you to the page, you'll be live as soon as we go live here in Popperville Football. Yep, and I'm excited for that call on Friday night, Jeff. And you just can't get enough of me. You'll be to the right of me keeping me straight on Friday night, joined by uh, Jason Baker down on the sidelines and Jeff I'm excited about that one on Friday I'm excited about the interviews we have in store for our, our listeners tonight give them that list Jeff and what they'll be listening to on tonight's episode yeah first off we're going to start with Cody Stogner uh, offensive coordinator uh, assistant coach at Picayune uh, they're going to face a tough the Iberville team we talked to uh, head coach Larry Dolan a couple uh, as a matter of fact last week previewing the Iberville as they just started their action last Friday night. But Picayune had uh, an off week, so to speak, for that first game of the season. So a tough the Iberville team coming to Picayune. We'll talk to uh, Cody Stogner. We'll talk about the Picayune Ball Club and some things he wants to see out of them this coming up Friday. And then next on the slate, we're going to talk to Jason Baker, a guy you just mentioned who helped us on Friday nights uh, cover Popperville Hornet football. Jason Baker is the play-by-play -play announcer for ESPN Plus covering Southern Miss. So we're going to talk to him everything about Southern Miss, things that uh, he's looking forward to this season as he gets to call the games on ESPN Plus and, and things that he has seen with this ball club during practice as they get ready to kick off this Saturday against Alcorn State. Next on the slate, we got Ben Portnoy. He is the writer for the Commercial Dispatch covering Mississippi State. You sat down earlier today and talked to him about everything Mississippi State, some things that they want to see uh, as they are getting ready to kick off their 2019 campaign this Saturday. And then batting uh, cleanup, the last interview of the night, will be Jake Thompson, 
a writer for the Oxford Eagle, who covers the Ole Miss Rebels, and we'll talk to him about head coach Matt Luke, his expectations for this 2019 ball club, some new additions as far as coaches for this 2019 ball club, and then get into the action as they kick off at Memphis, a tough place to play in the Liberty Bowl, and a rivalry between these two, uh, first game of the season at Memphis at 11 o'clock this Saturday. Yep, thank you, Jeff, for laying it out for our listeners. If you want to find us, I know Jeff has a Twitter account. What's that handle, Jeff, it's, for you? It's uh, at jlosset at Twitter. Yep, and then I have an account, and you can search Talking Ball, y'all, and find uh, that account on Twitter. Also, Talking Ball has a Facebook page. So if you want to interact with us on social media, please feel free to do that. Like, share, rate, do whatever you want to do with the podcast. Just spread the word if you would. And thanks for our sponsors who you will hear uh, sprinkled through this episode. And thank you uh, for listening again to this podcast. Whether you've hit a home run or a foul ball, for all your real estate law and closing needs, call Cruise Law at 1-769-242-2500. That number again is 1-769-242-2500. Call Bill Cruz at Cruise Law. Happy to be joined tonight by Cody Stogner to give us the lowdown on the Picayune Maroon Tide. And, um, Cody, a big game coming up this week. Y'all kind of take a different approach and take that first week off. And so you've seen what D'Iverville's done. They got off to a good start against Jeff Davis. What do you expect to see out of your club and then also out of D'Iverville on Friday night? Well, uh, you know, having the week off gave us an extra week, an extra week to repair uh, – so technically, looking back when we were able to start practice, we actually had a four good weeks of work, and uh, you know our guys pushed through this heat and, and uh, been working hard uh, to get ready for this first game. And uh, I can tell you this: I know they're ready to play somebody else and do somebody different uh, on the other side of them. Uh, but the Abbeville, you know, they're they're typical of the Abbeville team. They're hard nosed. They're uh, they're going to be they're they're gritty. Uh, we got two great athletes on offense in the Wally brothers. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but they look like the Diablo team, like you would always expect. You know, they, they, they play with great effort. They execute well. Coach Dolan, of course, you know, he's over there and he's, he's, he's doing a good job. He's going to do a good job with them. Uh, but I know our guys are they're ready to play, and, and uh, we're just preparing for what we think we're going to see. And, and uh, hopefully on Friday night we're able to execute the best of our ability. Cody, when you look at this year's uh, team, I mean – I think the way that Coach Lee has coached, everybody kind of knows what you're going to get offensively in the style and the brand of play. But let's talk about the personnel, personnel some of the guys on that offensive line, uh, some guys in the backfield that you expect big things out of. Well, I mean, we got, you know, I, I believe, uh, and I'm you know, very biased toward it, but I believe we got the two best tackles in the state. Uh, Jay Mickle and Deontay Reed, they're both three-year starters. Uh, they're back for their senior season. Uh, you know, they're, the, they're leaders of the team, leaders of the offense. Uh, we had to replace, uh, you know, we replaced three offensive linemen, uh, three pretty good ones at uh, graduation. Uh, we got to have three three juniors in there, uh, Colin Pitton, Caleb Jones, and uh, Garrett Hunter stepping up in those roles. Uh, you know, this is some of, uh, come, all three of them are going to be really like their first kind of varsity game of starting while they all got some playing time last year. But uh, starting and, and playing a significant amount of staff snaps are going to be 
we uh, beat them all this year, and uh, you know we actually moved late to the tight end. Uh, he's also going to play some defense, and, and, and Thomas Daniels is uh, another one that's going to be a tight end for us. Um, so just replacing, you know, kind of replacing a few, like a few key parts of that offensive line last year. But like I said, we've got those two guys that have been the mainstay there that's kind of been our leaders and have kind of got the ball rolling for us. And, and uh, you know, we just got Jaquel Myers coming back at quarterback. Uh, started playing all 14 games last year, started the South Bay Championship. Uh, Isaac Hitman going to get some, some snaps as well. We still got Kate turning his back. Uh, fullback, and, uh, you know, we lost Jordan Range, who was uh, an all-time lead rusher in Tiki history uh, the graduation. That's a mouthful, uh, huh, Cody? Yeah. Good <laughs> night. There's been some yards piled up by some youngins, too, to be number one on that list. Right, and, uh, and then, you know, we've got a couple couple guys back there in the stable, and then uh, leading the way is Cameron Thomas. Uh, you know, a lot of guys got a good look at him in the spring game. Uh, we're expecting good things from him. He's a very talented player. And, uh, you know, we're really excited uh, to get back, you know, after getting put out by Wes Jones last year and, and uh, that week of Thanksgiving, you know, these guys have been working hard in the offseason to get get to where we are now to get this season rolling. Cody, for our Picune uh, listeners who were able to either see him in the spring game or hear that he went over the 200-yard mark, we had uh, Coach Feely on right after the spring game, and he kind of – you just, echoed what you just said there, expecting big things out of uh, Cameron Thomas. What back in Picune history are like when I'm trying to picture a Picune back, who should I think of? Is, is there a guy that he reminds you of? Uh, I mean, you know, ever since this is my 13th year as assistant coach, and I've also played here, so we've had some great running backs come through Picune uh, over, I guess, the last 25, 30 years. And mm-hmm. they've all kind of had their own identity. Uh but if I had to compare, you know, Cameron is—he's uh, not as big as Jordan was last year, but he's—he's he's, he's faster, uh, a little more elusive. So I, you know, I can kind of compare him somewhat to like the Albert Richards style, uh, uh, Justin McGee type. Uh, you know, just real quick, uh, just I mean, real smooth when he runs. He has makes great cuts in the hole, and and uh, you know, he's he, 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 he's a tough runner too. But like I said, everyone that's come through has had their own own identity and they've all been pretty good for us yeah what you think those guys you just mentioned that's probably eight or seven or eight yards or pop every time they touched i mean <laughs> the backs in that offense and i know you're a offensive line uh guy in that system man that the just watching friday nights now with popperville and then knowing what picking has been able to do I think people take for granted when they watch week in and week out what it is for an offense to average maybe six or seven yards per rush and how you know how rare that is. But certainly in this county, uh, those two schools have spoiled their fan bases of late. Yeah, and, and you know, uh, it kind of goes toward the type of people we have in this county. You know, we're blue-collar, we, you know, we're hard workers, and, and uh, you know, Running the football is, is a grind. It's just, you know you got to buy into it, and uh, of course, you know you can't do it without the big guys up front uh, paving the way. And like you said, Popperville, they they got great great offensive line. Uh, I know Coach Owen at first Central put together a good one. You and, saved uh, me. He would have. It's just the type of mentality of the people around here. Uh, you know, there's nothing for that. There's nothing pretty about us. It's, 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 it is. We're going to come to work. We're going to you know we're going to we're going to perfect what we're good at and uh, try to win football games. 
Yep, and you saved me with Coach Owen there because even when you look at their year uh, last year and some of the turnaround, I mean, the record maybe was it was improved, but it wasn't maybe what Coach Owen expected. But when you go back and look at their rushing numbers and, and his uh, wing tee, they ran the ball really well too, so a good catch by you on that. Right, and, and you know, and, and it's easy to get caught up in the bad and stuff with, uh, you know, spread, spread stuff and, and all that. And, 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 of course, the main thing is, you know, are you going to get the kids to buy in? And uh, what's been going on around, you know, this community is the real kids that buy into the systems that have been going on, and, and it's proven to be successful. Once again, we're visiting with uh... – Offensive coordinator, offensive line coach, and assistant coach Cody Stogner for the Picking Maroon Tide. And, Cody, uh, the question I have is, is, is kind of a sentimental question. Of course, we all know uh, that the announcement was made that Coach Dodd Lee is going to be retiring from coaching, from Picking uh, Tremendous run over the years. You mentioned earlier about the 20-plus years. You were talking about the running back situation and the rushers when you played and, and stuff like that that you've had the, the privilege to coach. But – what is the atmosphere in the locker room that's gathered around Coach Dodd as these kids uh, want to go do it for Coach Dodd Lee as far as get that state championship, send him out with a bang, so to speak? Uh, just talk about some of the, the sentimental aspects of the locker room here at Picayune. You know, and, and, you know I've, I've been pretty blessed to be a system coach uh, for the last 13 years on the coach league and also played for, uh, for my three years in high school and, you know, learned a lot but. You know, it's just like any other year right now. It, 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 you know, Coach Lee is not going to he, – he's wanting the kids to perform. You know, he, he's so passionate about the game. And, uh, you know, there's just a different feel around the, the locker room. But it's kind of the same thing we, we feel every year. You know, we're expecting big things. Our expectations are really high. And uh, and uh, I know deep down, you know, these, these seniors want to send them out on a good note. And, of course, you know, everybody does. And, uh, but it's, that's not really the focus where we are right now, our focus is, you know, beating the Otterville, uh, winning game one that way, but you can't win the first one, you can't win them all. And, uh, you know, we always talk about no team in 15 has ever went 15-0, and, and we're striving for that this year. And, uh, and I think our guys are really excited about doing that, and uh, and I can tell deep down, you know, that, you know, that it's, it's a little bit, the sentimental part, I can tell, it hasn't really hit because Coach Lee's not going to let it show. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's still coaching the way he did. I'm sure one of I, I still he still coaches the same way from when I played, and that was back in the early 2000s. And so, you know, he's still the same guy, and it's, nothing has changed. We're, we're we're still out there trying to work our opponents, and and I'm sure you know when it's all said and done, there'll be a lot of tears being shed. But as of right now, our focus is on the Iberville. Cody, good luck against the Iberville man on Friday night, and we certainly appreciate um, you here as a podcast and how good you've been with your time and information to us. So good luck Friday, Cody, and we appreciate you, buddy. Thank you, guys. Look forward to seeing you again. Hey, folks, if you need that special sweet treat for birthdays, anniversaries, or just because, stop by and see our friends at Katie Cake and Company. They are located at 109 West Canal Street in Picayune. Let Katie Cake and Company satisfy your sweet tooth. Shh, your scale will never have to know. We're fortunate enough tonight on the podcast to be joined by the play-by-play announcer for ESPN Plus covering Southern Miss football uh, this season. Jason uh, Jason Baker, thanks for joining us. Oh, Jeff, uh, appreciate you guys having me on, ready to talk some Southern Miss Golden Eagle football. Yep, and what an honor it is for us, JB, a friend, of course, of Jeff and I, 
uh, for a while and then the privilege of working with you on Friday nights there with Popperville uh, broadcast. But, Bate, let's jump right into your role this Saturday, man. How uh, exciting uh, a time for you personally and then around the program as we get ready for that 6.05 kick from the Rock Saturday night. Yeah, it's, uh, it's finally set in, Clay. It's, uh, you know, it is an honor to be back with Southern Miss. This is uh, the second season for me to do this. Last year was kind of a shock uh, to be asked to be put into this role. And um, then really I-, I would tell you it was an honor to be asked back to uh, do it again um, this season. And so I'm extremely blessed and extremely honored to get to do this. Of course, I love my Friday nights with you guys and, um, this week I'll get double dip action Friday night with you fellows on the broadcast uh, against uh, PRC with the Popperville Hornets. But then uh, Saturday morning I'll wake up and uh, get myself ready and uh, head over to the Rock uh, a little after lunch and settle in and get ready for a, a 605 kick that's uh, been waiting uh, a while now to, to get a chance to call. So I'm really looking forward to it and the, the excitement uh, building up since it's game week. Bake, you're a student uh, there at Southern Miss. Your uh, your business, your livelihood is based out of uh, Hattiesburg. What's the buzz, the vibe? I know you've been around practices uh, consistent, uh, consistently leading up to this role. What's the feel around the team and the community there in Hattiesburg? You know, I think it's – it's a positive expectation of the program this year, Clay. I think it's a team that a year ago, six and five, but uh, probably would tell you they, they, you know, they were a few plays away from being awfully good. Um, nine and three, maybe maybe eight and four if, if you're modest. But this year, the, the expectations are not very tempered. I, I would tell you they're high, um, and, and rightfully so. Uh, being around the program a little bit over the last couple of weeks, um, this is an awfully good football team Jay Hobson has assembled in his staff. Uh, they're deep, they're talented, they're experienced. Um, and then, to make matters worse, they're back with a little chip on their shoulder to have, to have somebody, you know, last year that um, was denied a bowl bid. So you combine tap, depth, and, you know, a, a chip on their shoulder, and it really makes for – what is a, a – could be a season to remember for Southern Miss football. Bake, you mentioned Coach Hobson and his staff. Some turnover on the offensive side, a new offensive line coach, a new offensive coordinator. What do you expect out of that offense that's going to be led by a quarterback who completed over 70% of his passes from a year ago? What do you expect from that unit? What do you expect the changes may to be uh, with this staff? You know, I would tell you improved even though it's, it's kind of crazy when you talk about Jack Abraham led the country in completion percentage a year ago underneath Shannon Dawson, who has now gone on to Dana Holgerson's staff at Houston. Um, but he's gotten a really good offensive coordinator. I had the opportunity to sit down with him on Monday, Buster Faulkner. Uh, he comes from a program that, for, for the really college football meathead, they'll know this program has offense, and that's Arkansas State. He works underneath head coach Blake Anderson, who – Uh, was a coach here at Southern Miss who just knows offense. And Ryan Sanchek, the offensive line coach, comes in for Eric Losey. He comes from Alcorn State, who's going to be be the opponent on Saturday 
Um, but they had one of the higher-graded offensive lines in the country last year at the FCS level. They were a team with a lot of success up front. And so I think Hopkins kind of had an uh, inside knowledge there for Coach Manchek to be able to go and get him. Uh, and that, to me, Clay, is, is really the key for this unit um, because if that offensive line can play to a level um, that has improved from a year ago, this offense has a chance to be awfully good. And, and Abraham is extremely accurate. And then they've got some running backs now who are going to fill those roles. Um, so, so that's the key, right, is if, if that offensive line coach can make a difference and Faulkner with his knowledge of offenses, if he can come in and assert himself like I feel like he can, uh, this offense has really, really got an opportunity to be awfully good. Once again, we're joined by the play-by-play announcer for ESPN Plus that covers Southern Miss football, Jason Baker. And, Jason, uh, looking at their schedule, you talked about the offense. Of course, it all kicks off this Saturday night with Alcorn State coming into the Rock. But then they go on the road to State, on the road to Troy, and then on the road to Alabama. Mm. You talked about the offensive side of the ball. What does the defense have to do? I mean, that's a tough four-game stretch looking right here as you open up the season at home uh, this Saturday night, but Mississippi State and Alabama, you're traveling to Starkville and to Tuscaloosa. What what does the defense look like for this ball club going into this season? Well, the defense, Jeff, is probably where I would tell you the depth is at. Um, this is going to be a defense that has an opportunity to reassert themselves at a national level and rebrand that nasty bunch back out there from the late 90s, early 2000s. They were a top-seven defense of a year ago. They were probably the best defense in the country nobody knew about. Mm -hmm. And I think this year the difference is there's a lot of people who know about this Southern Miss defense now. They returned quite a few starters on the defensive side of the ball. The most talented group on this team is the defensive back. They have talent just oodling out everywhere. Um, But they got to get it done on the field. You mentioned the schedule. You mentioned the early portion of the schedule. You know, this is possibly, and I've had this talk with some guys that have been around Southern Miss football for years and years and years, this could possibly be the hardest four-game stretch in the history of the Southern Miss program to open a season. Um, And that's not saying something. And I will tell you this, it all starts Saturday night. This is a great opponent they're going to face. What's ironic about them is they look just like us, experienced, talent and they're deep hmm. in all corn state braves and so if you kind of thought well their season will get started next week at start well you're you're mightily mistaken um and it's going to be a bunch that's going to come into the rock with a little bit of confidence uh jay hobson coached the last brave team who came to the rock uh and it was a 26 20 victory for hmm. southern Miss in 2014 the Golden Eagles barely got out with a win back then. So, yeah, my fingernails are almost grown back from that one, babe. <laughs> mm. Yeah, so, I mean, this is this is going to be a tough road to hoe for Coach Hobson and his staff early. Um, if you're a Southern Miss fan and you're listening into this podcast, I would tell you, you know, obviously we want to win them all. Um, but at the same time, this team will be judged more so by what they do in the final eight than they do in the first four. Bake, you touched on a couple points, and I was going to save this question, but kind of your answer there, uh, you mentioned Nasty Bunch, and you mentioned a willingness to kind of go play any anywhere at any time, and that makes me think of the new guy that's going to be sitting uh, 
beside you in the booth. Talk about your new partner a little bit there. Yeah, so I'm going to have an opportunity to have a pretty, maybe the founding member of the Nasty Bunch, Mark Chant, Kenny, who was a linebacker on that 97 team. Um, I mean, he just epitomized. I had somebody tweet that to me last week. He epitomized Southern Miss football, and uh, I'm really looking forward to it. He's a, a guy who's got some television experience. He actually, uh, when he got out of college, went to work at WDAM at one time. Um, doing some sports casting then, and so this was an opportunity that fell into his uh, lap this season to be able to come to work uh, with us on the ESPN telecast, and um, man, he, he is just absolutely excited. I had never spoken a word to Marshane Kenny uh, until last Tuesday, um, but man, I feel like I've known him now for 30-plus years, and we've really hit it off. Um, I'm actually, uh, as we take this broadcast tomorrow, um, we're sitting down with our producer for ESPN tomorrow, and um, we're having lunch together, and I'm really looking forward to it. He was a fan favorite of the Southern Miss Golden Eagles, and, uh, man, he, he knows his stuff. And it, it's just going to be a great uh, relationship, and, uh, you know, I, I hope he'll stick around, and I hope he get to do these for quite a few seasons is what I hope. Yep, excited about that, excited to hear from him. Uh, JB, something that's not as exciting if you're a Golden Eagle fan is the news that uh, we're going to be without – uh, Watkins for two games out wide at that wide receiver spot. And so I kind of wanted you to to hit on that. I knew you'll broadcast one of the games without him being there. And maybe how Tim Jones, a wide receiver from here on the Gulf Coast, and then that running back combo of Mosley and Anderson can maybe help to fill that big void as Watkins was certainly a home run threat out wide for the Southern Miss team. You know, Clay, I, I don't know that anybody will directly feel Quebs' role. Um, Watkins is a difference maker. Uh, and I had the privilege of being able to have access to practice throughout fall camp. Um, Quez has just looked phenomenal. Um, and so, uh, you know, it certainly was kind of sad news to hear that, you know, selfishly that I won't get to see him play on uh, Saturday and have the call for it. Um, but he'll be back in a couple of weeks. So we're just being told that he's being held out until the 14th. That's all um, we're being given. That's all that will be reported uh, on the broadcast on Saturday night. Um, but he's a difference maker. But this offense, I would tell you, on the defensive side of the ball, I told you the secondary, the deepest group. I would tell you on the offensive side of the ball, the wide receivers are probably the deepest group. So um, if you were going to sustain a loss early in a position group, that would probably be it. Um as far as Tim Jones replacing him and stepping up, that's a possibility. Another name uh, of a young man who has just had an awesome camp, Neil McLaurin. Um, they have a freshman receiver, Chris Scruggs Jr. I don't know how much you'll see him on Saturday, uh, but, boy, he's a talented kid that they really like out of the state of Florida and really run, kind of built like Quez. Um, so, you know, and then don't, don't underestimate the return of Jalen Adams. Uh, he was a young man early last year. I, I attribute a lot of people last year kind of attributed maybe the offensive struggles to the offensive line. I think this offensive unit changed when Jalen got hurt after about the third or fourth game. Um, and Adams is just such a difference maker because he's a guy that can take a four-yard pass and turn it into a 94-yard game. Um, he's got that kind of running ability after the catch. I will tell you, Buster Faulkner plans to use him and use him a lot. Um, and so Jalen is a guy that can kind of make you, at least for Saturday night, say, kind of say, you know, 
he can survive without Quez. Now, now, granted, this is a much better team when Quez Watkins mm-hmm. is on the field. There is no doubt. I mean, Watkins is a young man that's probably going to have the potential to play on Sundays. He's got that kind of speed. And, and certainly, if you, you want to forecast ahead, it, I think it affects you a lot more next week on the road at Mississippi State than it probably affects you Saturday night in the Rock. But that's yet to be seen. We'll see. They're, they're a talented group on defense and their secondary as well. They're not going to back up from anybody. So the wide receiver group will have to step up. But thankfully, in my opinion, I think it's one of the deeper groups, and I think they can fill that void. JV, man, we certainly appreciate your time and your insight, too. It's great to be able to uh, call on you, know that you've seen uh, practices, actually have your ear close to the ground there and giving us some good uh, insight uh, tonight. We're certainly pulling for you on Saturday night uh, in the booth, and then we look forward to being on the call with you on Friday uh, for high school action. So thank you. uh, Appreciate your friendship, man, and uh, certainly wish you well. Well, yeah, certainly appreciate it. It, it kind of seems surreal, all the games that we've called together as a group, and uh, now one of us is calling one on ESPN. I have to kind of pinch myself, but then I also kind of well up with pride and hope that we all three kind of take a little pride in this, that uh, we get a chance to do this on, on the largest sports network in the world. And uh, kind of makes me smile a little bit to think where we've come from and uh, – where we're going, and I'm just going to have an opportunity to have some fun on Saturday night. I hope everybody will tune in, and I hope everybody listening into this podcast will, will support a, a local young man who's getting to live a dream to call some football on, on ESPN Saturday night. And I just hope for the Golden Eagle faithful and even for the all-court state Braves fans, I hope um, I'll just do the ball game justice. That's all I'm hoping to do is, is put it out in words that people will appreciate and enjoy the broadcast and uh, we'll see what all takes place uh, Saturday night about 6.05 in the Rock. Well, there, there's no lack of confidence that uh, that you will do that for me. And so I can't wait to, to hear and to see uh, how that goes off, JB. And wish you the best of luck, man. See you Friday night. Absolutely. Appreciate you guys. Whether you're hungry for seafood, po'boys, or salads, go see Kelly's Po'boys located in Picune and proudly serving Pearl River County for nearly 20 years. It's a little bit of New Orleans right here in Picayune. Joining us tonight on the podcast is Ben Portnoy, writer for the Commercial Dispatch covering Mississippi State. All right, Ben, as we come into the 2019 Mississippi State Bulldog season, um, kind of if you would, I know a lot of moving parts and some guys that uh, that you thought may be there that aren't going to be there. And then, of course, uh, the NFL draft and graduation. What are state fans to expect from this Bulldog club this year? Yeah, I, I mean, I think the two major things is you're going to have a renewed offense and a different-looking defense. Uh, on, on the offensive side of things, you obviously have Tommy Stevens at quarterback. Um, I, I think that Tommy's a – Upgrade probably in the passing department from uh, what Nick Fitzgerald was. I think you're probably going to see his accuracy numbers jump up uh, relative to Nick that range somewhere around 55%. Um, you're probably going to see Tommy somewhere in that like, 63 to 65 range. He's an accurate passer. He can get the ball downfield. Uh, it's something that coaches and players have been raving about all ball camp, about uh, how different this offense will look and sort of a downfield passing aspect that I think last year's team lacked and drove a lot of people crazy. Um, on the defensive side of things, I think the biggest difference you'll see is that uh, a lot of the blitzing and a lot of the pass rush is going to come from the linebackers. Um, I think Leo Lewis 
Errol Thompson, Willie Gay, uh, Kim Washington are all guys that can rush the passer uh, out of the middle. Um, and especially because of what you lose in the interior between Jeffrey Simmons and Montez Sweat on the defense that, um, this is a defensive line that's going to be young. Uh, it's going to be one that's not necessarily very experienced outside of Chauncey Rivers. Um, and, and I think that because of that, you're going to see uh, Bob Chu getting a little, a lot more creative with uh, with how he blitzes and where he brings pressure on on passing downs. So I think a lot of that is going to come from from the linebackers, like I said. Ben, when you look at what's happened and transpired at the quarterback position and Stevens winning that job and then the transfer out, does Stevens automatically feel, even just after he's won a job, uh, some undue pressure, filling big shoes, and then the transfer out? Yeah, I, I mean, I can't put words into Tommy's, into Tommy's uh, mouth, but I think that there's naturally when you don't have a guy behind you or chopping at the bit, uh, there's some some relief and some alleviating of pressure. Um, that said, I mean, coaches have been really high on what Garrett Schrader has done this fall, this camp. That's not to say that Schrader's going to push Tommy for the starting job should things uh, crash and burn, but I, I think there's definitely a sense of relief to at least an extent not having a guy nipping at your heels the whole season. Uh, but that said, I, I think that there was a legitimate understanding that Keaton Thompson was going to be a part of this offense should he, and this isn't to say he can't still come back, it's always possible everything's up in the air, but uh, I think there was an understanding that Keaton was going to be a part of the offense in some capacity, but uh, like you said, I, I think it does alleviate some pressure from Tommy and that you know he's the number one guy. I think that you know, you'll see that. There's a confidence that he'll have. And pressure, we talk, I, I asked a question about pressure. Pressure on Coach Moorhead, when you look at last year's team, so good defensively, um, and then the offense and four of the five losses weren't able to get over a touchdown. What type of pressure do you feel, if, if any, you've certainly been around him uh, more than I have, that Coach Moorhead uh, feels to get this offense kind of rolling and probably up to his expectations? I don't know that the, sort of the outside pressure necessarily affects Joe. I think the biggest thing with Coach Moorhead is that, you know, he's a guy who came in and as a highly talented offensive mind and as a guy that, you know, the staple of what Moorhead brings to the team is or to a team as a head coach is the offense. So I think that there's sort of a personal pressure and that he wants to, you know, improve in the, in, in the side of the ball, on the side of the ball that is his forte. Um, so I think you see it from there, but I, but I will say outside of that, I don't think there really should be that much pressure on Coach Moorhead. I guess it jumps more outside the offense. I mean, last year's team was eight and five. You had some missed opportunities, but I think that uh, this year's team is probably going to be in a similar realm. And I think that you know, people, I, I think that outside of the program, it's easy to jump on a coach and say teams underachieve. And I think there's an understanding that last year's team did, but. I, I think that it takes time to build a program. It takes time to build an offense. And I think what gets lost in, in the shuffle is that, you know, last year's offense, for example, Nick Fitzgerald's not a guy that is necessarily fit for Moorhead's offense. And I think that that's, a, that's an easy uh, transition with a guy like Tommy Stevens, who's, been, who's already spent two years under Joe Moorhead in his offensive system, and really three, given that Ricky Rainey, the offensive coordinator of Penn State, runs virtually the same system. So I, I think you'll see a more natural fit at that position and I think that's going to be something that you know changes the dynamic in the offense 
when you talk about the dynamic in that offense. Let's talk about Colin Hill and what he brings and what his expectations may be from that backfield and, and what you've seen through uh, the spring, the summer, and now the fall as he's getting ready to potentially have a monster year. <laughs> yeah, I think Colin is, in every sense of the word, a home run hitter. He's a guy who's going to create big plays. He's a dynamic athlete. He really can beat you between the tackles or outside the tackles. Um, he really is kind of the full package. He'll be able to hurt you in the, in the receiving game, and that's something that uh, Terry Richardson has highlighted. It's something that maybe an added emphasis in the offense this year, an added twist, so to speak. Um, I, I think the biggest thing for Kylan is that you just have to stay healthy. Um, I know I was talking to him about a week ago, two weeks ago, and he was saying that he's gone through, he started going through more of a stretching regimen and getting in the training room, even when he doesn't necessarily feel like he's hurt or anything like that. Um, just, to, just to maintain uh, a level of health that you can have and, uh, like I said, maintain throughout the year. Um, and, I, and I think that's really the biggest thing for him. It's not a matter of that he doesn't have the talent or the skills or the speed or whatever it is. I mean, it's really a matter of just staying healthy. Um, and I think if he does stay healthy, there's no reason to think he's not going to be a second or third team All-SEC running back. Ben, when you look at state schedule, of course, you look at that tough division in SEC that they can – Pete in, but let's go closer uh, to Saturday and look right at that opener down in the dome against Louisiana and an early kick. Any fear about what that atmosphere may be like in a dome? I remember when Tulane, of course, used to play there, you get an early kick and it could feel funny in there. Any any thoughts or uh, kind of leeriness on uh, State's part on what that atmosphere will be like? I think the atmosphere will kind of be what it is. I, I don't think it's really going to play into the game that much. Realistically, I think you'll probably end up having more state fans than uh, Louisiana fans just by the nature of how much uh, school size and fan base and things like that. Um, but I think that, you know, it's kind of a weird setup in that you're playing in a giant NFL stadium that may not be necessarily all the way full. Uh, it's an early kickoff, so there's that dynamic to flying away from home, even though Technically, it's a neutral site game. Louisiana is the home team, but uh, the game will be played as such. So there's some few complicating factors, I guess. But I would be, I would say that there are a lot larger problems looming if Mississippi State can't handle Superdome this weekend against a team like Louisiana. Ben, you, the good point made there. When, and you say problems. I'm going to bring something up. Uh, the potential transfer out, you've done a good job of correcting me uh, that that's not finalized. And then with the NCAA news coming down, how has the feel around the program changed in the last seven or eight days, or has it at all? Yeah, I, I mean, anytime something like what's been handed down by the NCAA, there's, you know, I don't want to say trepidation, but I think there's a little bit of people catching their breaths and thinking, okay, what's going on here? Um, and I think there's been a little bit of that. I think that, you know, people, more fans, I think, than really people within the building have, you know, looked at this and said, okay, you know, what the heck's going on with the program and all that. But it, it's being dealt with. Um, you know, suspensions will be handed down. Uh, no one's been named yet uh, officially. And uh, those will be revealed ahead of kickoff uh, on Saturday for Coach Morehead uh, is what he told us on the, in his Monday press conference. So uh, I think that you all, I, I think there's some level of trepidation, to use the word again, but I, I think that within the confines of the program, I don't think people are that worried about it. Um, you know, Coach Morehead was saying the other day during his press conference that, you know, the, 
the standard that he wants to set and that his staff wants to set remains the same. You have to step back, so to speak, but it's been dealt with, and uh, you know they'll deal with the suspensions when they come and when they're handed down. But I think that this is going to end up being one of those things that, um, in, in his mind, he sees this just a, as a speed bump to a program that he believes he can bring to, to a championship standard, and that's something that he's preached since he got to Mississippi State, and I think still maintains. Ben, for our people that are listening uh, tonight and are intrigued by uh, what you have to say here, how can they follow you and uh, see the articles that you've been putting out about Mississippi State football? Yeah, absolutely. You can uh, catch catch me on Twitter at Portnoy15 uh, or uh, check out the website at the Columbus Commercial Dispatch at cdispatch.com, uh, www.cdispatch.com, that is. And, uh, yeah, follow along. I'll be doing a lot of great written content for you. And, uh, if you ever, ever, ever need anything, it's on, I'm always there on Twitter. Ben, we certainly appreciate stealing some time from you, man, on game week, and we hope to visit again with you soon. Hey, no problem at all. Thank you all for having me, and uh, I appreciate you guys taking time. Thank you, Ben. Your family's health is our mission. At Highland Community Hospital and in partnership with Forest Health Systems, we're adding new services and personnel every day. Please welcome Kimberly Carver, FNPC, to the Highland Pediatric and Primary Care Rural Health Clinic. She's another addition to our expanding family of service providers. Please call 601-358-9765 to schedule an appointment. Highland Community Hospital, the best choice for your family. If you're looking to insure a new house, car, or motorcycle, give Advantage Insurance Company a call at 601-749-8790 or go by and see Shauna Oder or any one of her friendly agents and let them go to work for you. Advantage Insurance is located at 4201 Highway 11 North in Picayune. We've got Jake Thompson joining the podcast tonight. Jake is a writer up for the Oxford Eagle and we're going to talk to Jake about Ole Miss football. And, Jake, let's get right into it and talk about the expectations for this Ole Miss club as we begin the 2019 campaign. Well, first, uh, thanks for having me on the podcast. And, uh, you know, the expectations are – it's kind of tempered, I guess is the best word to say. I mean, everybody kind of knows it's the first year out from under the NCAA cloud. and They have full scholarships. Postseason is a go again. So, obviously, six wins is – you would like at a minimum, but you know nobody's really kind of you know expecting them to bust out again with that Sugar Bowl type season. But you know six to eight wins is where I would say most people are kind of hoping or expecting them to kind of shake out come December. Jake, when you look at um, the coaching staff, Matt Luke of course back, but he's got a new OC and a new DC. What do you look for the changes to be on kind of both sides of the ball, and how has that affected preparing for this season? I think, uh, you know, for starters, for Matt Luke, I think he can take a deep sigh of relief. I mean, he's got two mm-hmm. coordinators that have also been head coaches at Power 5 level at, who have also, you know, kind of understand what he's going through. So he can kind of let uh, Mike McIntyre and Rich Rodriguez just kind of handle the offensive defense, and he can handle everything and, and step in when he needs to. And Obviously, he wants to stay close to that offensive line, but I think he's going to want to let Rich Rod kind of, kind of see what he can implement with that West Coast offense that he likes to use. And uh, you know, Rodriguez has spoken since he's been hired that you know Matt Corral, the quarterback and resume starter, which we also will be come Saturday morning in Memphis, 
uh, he kept him out and kind of recruited him a little bit in, in high school level and, and it did him, but he's been aware of him since Matt was in high school and, and knows what he's capable of. And he's been excited to kind of get the keys to that engine and, and see what he can do with, with that, with Matt. And obviously there's still some talented receivers who are still here. Uh, you don't have DK or AJ, obviously they're, they're playing on Sundays now, but there's still some other guys that, that were playing underneath them or learning underneath them that are kind of ready. And he had some good receiving uh, commits come in with uh, Jonathan Mingo, obviously coming out from Brandon High School, who was a highly sought-after recruit. So, you know, I expect the offense to, to kind of keep doing what it's been doing, putting up numbers and points. And it may look a little different with, with Rodriguez, but in terms of lighting up the scoreboard, I think all those fans will be excited to see. You talked about the Ole Miss. You, you hit on the quarterback spot and then also out wide. What can Ole Miss fans expect to see uh, toting the football? You've got some rushing yards coming back there, some rushing touchdowns coming back. Certainly didn't hang your hat on that rushing game, but uh, maybe can do that a little bit more as you've got some season backs back there this year. Yeah, you got obviously Scotty Phillips uh, kind of up there at the top, and then you have that Jackson Prep uh, commit two-way player, Jerry on Ely, that ended up, still, you know, ended up coming to Ole Miss and, and bypassing the MLB draft after June. Uh, chose to come have a little bit of college career, and, and we got the depth chart yesterday for the fir- first game or week one depth chart. And Ely was listed as number two, which was a little puzzling or interesting, and, and there were a lot of oars. So it, underneath him, it it, it kind of varies a little bit with with everybody else with Sweeney as well, Eric Sweeney, who you know didn't really get to play much last year. And so the running backs, I think, and, and Rodriguez actually said it yesterday during his press conference that the running back room is the deepest position room I believe he. he feels he has on the offensive side so yeah not a lot of rushing yards and touchdowns because of what graduated but there's a lot of experience and a lot of positive uh, and, and uh, hope and talent that you hope to get out of those young kids who are coming in and the running back uh, group should be the one that nobody really stresses about the most on Saturday. Okay, we've kind of cornered that offensive market. Let's look over on the other side of the ball. New defensive coordinator, you've talked about his head coaching experience what will the Rebel fans see differently on that side of the ball uh, this year? Uh, just you know, from what they've been, you know, the coaches have been telling us, and we've been seeing at practice and stuff, is that you know these the defensive players just as a whole coming in with a chip on their shoulder. I think as they said in media days, they they kind of were getting tired of being told they weren't very good, and and you know the, those accusations weren't wrong. Don't miss the defense has been lacking in the past few years. And, Last year was no different. And but what McIntyre's come in and done is a, just kind of simplified the offense, just focused on, you know, giving each man their responsibility from offensive or defensive line all the way that back to safety and just do your job, focus on your job, and simplify the scheme. And, and I think that's helped these players just kind of focus and, and, and learn what their job and their assignments are. And, and, and one thing they've also done is Luke's kind of made sure they've had a fine balance in tackling. Obviously, you saw the game with Miami and, and Florida the other night were, you know, week zero where they're, you know, they missed some tackles, you, you know, kind of knocking the rust off from having fall camp. But Luke has done, you know, made sure that those guys have tackled and he's considered the two scrimmages they've had as kind of a preseason because, you know, college doesn't really have a preseason like, you know, NFL, even high school has with Jamborees. So he, he's kind of used those two scrimmages as, you know, lining up, putting the helmets and the pads on and, and knocking heads and trying to just get that defense to be a little tougher, a little meaner, and he feels McIntyre's done the job. Week zero. That was a good way to describe exactly what I watched the other night. I like that, Jake. Once again, we're joined by Jake Thompson, uh, writer for the Oxford Eagle, covering the Ole Miss Rebels. And, and Jake, you you was talking to Clay 
about the offense and the defense, but this Saturday, Ole Miss travels to Memphis at the Liberty Bowl, 11 o'clock kickoff on ABC. In a nutshell, what can Ole Miss fans expect to see uh, this ball club coming out for 2019 under Matt Luke and then under uh, first-year offensive coordinator Rich Rodriguez, the new hires? Just in a nutshell, what are the Ole Miss fans hoping to see Saturday at Memphis? I think a new attitude and explosiveness, just for to sum it up in a word. Uh, you know, they, you'd like it's early game, early kickoff, and it's you know August 31st in mm. Memphis in Mid South. It's going to be humid, steamy, hot, and everybody knows that, so nobody's going to use that as an excuse. But I think all those fans who show up to Liberty Bowl are, are hoping and, and should see just a fast-paced kind of offense and a tough as nails defense from what we've been hearing and seeing in practice. And I think you're just going to see this uh, game one of this season, kind of the turning of the page and turning a turning a new leaf for the program. And I think this is the, you know, Memphis has been favored, uh, you know, ever since they announced the schedule. But, I, you know, Ole Miss is, I think, going to give them more of a fight than you know, prognosticators assume or think and, and the gamblers bet and think. But I think this is a good year for Ole Miss. And like I said at the beginning, I'm not bullish on their wins. I think six to eight is a reasonable expectation. But, you know, that's why they play the games. You don't really know what's going to happen until December comes around. Jake, when you look at you, you described it as maybe being able to breathe a little easier uh, now that Coach Luke has uh, those coordinators there with all that experience. But now having that probation ban go away, and and is does he feel a different type of pressure where now that cloud's gone, but Ole Miss the rebuilding or the the patience that was kind of shown will there be some added pressure to Coach Luke this season? You know, we actually asked him that question yesterday, and you know, he's kind of shrugged that that word off, pressure. But you know, you you would think, obviously, with uh, you know, with Ross Bjork gone and, and Keith Carter stepping in as interim AD, just you know, you'd like to make a good impression with the new guy in charge, and especially this is your first year without any limitations or restrictions. So there's no yeah, but that you can make at the end of the year if it doesn't go your way. But you know, this Luke said this is his dream job, and he's just kind of been all smiles throughout the whole process of, of this, and I think he's excited about this year. And You know, if he's on the hot seat, he's not showing it or acting like he is, but, you know, you've got to assume that he needs to have a good showing this year just to, to feel good about his future here at Oxford. Jake, man, we know that you've got other coverage to get to. We appreciate you squeezing us in uh, to your schedule tonight, and we thank you uh, for joining us on the podcast. Oh, no problem. I was happy to, to be on. Thanks for having me. Thank you, Jake.